Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we break down the entire weekend from Iowa. Really, it was all today, the racing action that took place at Iowa today. The M&M's 200 NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series race with some controversy in that one. We also will break down the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Iowa Speedway. Uh, a lot to talk about on the Truck Series race. We'll also, I guess we'll also break down the Xfinity race. Not as much to talk about there, but if you want to join at any part of the show, the number to dial is 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking Circles. to so talk to me, Philip Matthew, or Spencer Cowan here tonight, guys. First, it was, like I said, the M&M's 200 from Iowa Speedway. Uh, a, a great race for Ross Chastain. Chastain led 141 laps, uh, really took the lead on lap 60 and never looked back from that point forward. Uh, really called his shot earlier in the year by, by picking his Truck Series points last week. And uh, going to the front and leading all these laps and, and winning and, and absolutely dominating the event until post-race inspection. When it was found that the 44 uh, Nice Motorsports Chevrolet driven by Ross Chastain was too low in post-race inspection. Therefore, for the first time this season, we've seen a driver lose their win, lose their victory, and Chastain is disqualified from the event he gets credited with a 32nd place finish in five points. The team announced uh, later earlier this evening they will appeal the penalty. They say that the car was too low due to damage on the number 44 Chevrolet. Uh, you know, I, I we talked about it off there right before here, guys, right before the show started. And, and I honestly, when I first read it, I thought it was a joke. I couldn't believe it. Um, here's this this team and, and and this driver who have absolutely dominated the race, had a great race today. And they are not the winner because of post-race inspection. Uh, I I know we talked about this earlier in the year. I'm sure we did about when NASCAR came out and said that they were going to do this. And a lot of people were sort of for it, saying, well, you know, it's kind of dumb to penalize somebody and when they win the race and not take the win away. Well, I, I don't think we all envisioned the first time of this happening was such a feel-good story uh, where everybody was really disappointed to see Ross Chastain no longer – winning this race in the M&M's 200. Um, I'll start with you, Philip Matthew. What do you think about this? I mean, um, you know, do you think this, this Ross Chastain will be able to recover from this? Uh, you know, he, he had a great win, and, and just from a – will his team be able to recover mentally and, and, and points-wise? Will it be able to cover from recover from what we saw today at Iowa Speedway? What are your thoughts? I mean, on the one one hand, I would say that the emotions, how emotional Ross is, uh, uh, the fact that he went from the highest of highs and then goes and this this happens with uh, losing this race in post-race tech, I don't, I'm not sure where Ross is at. I do believe that Phil Gould, the crew chief there and that whole organization. I mean, Al Neese came out and said, well, we passed inspections twice and we had this issue with damage from earlier in the race. And that's probably what, and they'll be able to go and try to make a case. Will it come through? History says it's not in their favor uh, to get that, uh, to get that result. But do I believe that 
uh, Ross Chastain, do I believe that the Nice Motorsports team will be able to recover? I do, because the fact of the matter is he opened a can on the field. There was, there was literally nobody that could touch him for two segments plus. He came from 19th to the lead. I mean, yeah, late, late uh, caution in the first segment gave him an opportunity there while Sauter and, and Crafton were running over each other, and he got that stage win. Uh, the reality is the points, he'll be able to get the points because they're too competitive. This is the only, I mean, he got disqualified to 32nd. This is the first time all year he finished outside the top 10. Uh, this is the first time he loses all his stage points. The point is the first time all year, I think, or one of the first times all year he didn't get stage points. So the logic that going in a truck that was this good, going to a track next week at Worldwide Technology, Raceway, Gateway, whatever you want to call it, which has some similar similarities in terms of the downforce in terms of the drive that you need to have in and out of the corners, I believe it's going to be a, a, a motivating factor for them, and they're just going to have this huge chip because the point is Ross Chastain – is one of these guys, like we were talking about the golf because it's going on live as we talk, and now Brooks Kepka possibly has a chance to win three straight mm-hmm. U.S. Opens. He gets off on being this guy. He has a chip on his shoulder. Well, Ross Chastain's had this huge chip on his shoulder. He had everything there. He had the opportunity to be an Xfinity champion, you know, coming into January of this year, and then it all goes away. And all this stuff has gone on all year, and now he's in this spot. He wins this race. He dominated. Now it's taken away from him. I think, I honestly believe that this will be a uniting force, and it will allow this team to get even closer, which I think is scary. And I believe he's going to respond. I believe he's going to respond next week, and he's going to win. Because, frankly, he has to <laughs> anyway, but he really does have right. to now because he gave up so many points today because of uh, yeah. the the penalty. Yeah, and and I think that's a, that's the biggest problem with him with this. It's not necessarily the win; it's the amount of points he gave up. I mean, he was in uh, running great in all in all the stages as well, and got a, a ton of points from that as well. Um, you know, Spencer, I know you're you're. You love Ross. You've come out and said that on this show numerous times. You're a big Ross Chastain fan. Um, what do you think about this? I mean, like I said, I think we were all were in agreement. If I'm mistaken, I apologize, but I believe we were all pretty much in agreement about this rule that, you know, sort of if, if a driver on a team or I should say a team cheats, you know, they should get the win taken away from them. I think we all kind of sat there and said, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But again, we didn't expect it to be something like this. Uh, do you still feel that way about this? And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole situation with Ross Chastain uh, in, in this 44 truck uh, getting disqualified today? Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, to them, it's it's probably, like Philip said, they're going to want to go out and prove a point, you know, whether, you know, our truck's um, not going to pass post-race or it does. You know, we're here to win. But, yeah, you know, yeah, I think we, like you said, we all agree, you know, the, if you're the winner and you do not pass race and you don't go by the books, I mean, your car's illegal. But did we think it was going to be something about a little bit of height in the front? I do like how they did give them the chance to put gas in the truck and put air in the tires to see if that would help. Um, so it's not like 
okay, you just lost. You know, there's no opportunity. They gave them a little bit of an opportunity to try to bring it up, and now they're going to appeal. It's going to cost them twenty five hundred bucks or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's who knows? You don't know what you're going to get busted for these days because they're so strict. You know, you have to be within you know centimeters to the book. I mean, you really do. They're so with all this new tech stuff that uh, NASCAR has, it's um, it's pretty crazy. You really can't afford to really try to push you know push too much or you're going to get caught for it but uh, I really think uh, it's like they're going to go out and really compete next week you know I think this team is competitive and you know I I argued with somebody today and uh, you know even your buddy Dirk or whatever he was arguing about some guy said when they aren't cheating they're not competitive and I said I said to him I said you have no clue what you're talking about he has finished in the top 10 every race you know, he's, I mean, a win at Kansas, and they haven't been busted for cheating yet. I mean, and you, so you got all these people talking, you know, they're cheated, you know, they don't deserve to win. He left them. You know, whether or not that little bit of inch, I don't know how far off they were, helped him. You know, who knows? We don't know. Right. Um, you know, we're not the technicians on this stuff. So, you know, they made the call, but, you know, I, I'm not worried, honestly. I really, you know, Al Nice said, and I like how confident he is, he said we're going to go to a gateway and we're going to win. And that's the conf- yeah. you got to have that confidence you really do. You have to. If you don't think you can win, don't show up to the racetrack. And I like how this young team um, is really coming together. And, I mean, look at what who they're beating. They're beating KBM, GMS, Door Motorsports, the top teams in the sport. And Absolutely. they're opening a can that you know what on them. And it's, uh, it's really an incredible story, and I think everybody's watching it and everybody's pulling for them. And if honestly, if you have anything negative to say about Ross Chastain, you have no clue what you're talking about. Um, all I got to say is when he gets in a serious ride, I mean, imagine what he could do in a KBM truck. Yeah. It'd be scary. I mean, it really would. And, you know, some guy today said he wasn't ready for Cup. I laughed. I thought that was a joke. The kid, I mean, I'm saying kid, the guy, he can, you know, he can drive. He really can. And I think they're going to go out and they're going to open up some more can of you know what. They're going to go win this thing. Yeah, you know, and you brought up a good point, Spencer, about how much did this help Ross Chastain? And this is always a point we kind of look at when we when we view these penalties. You know, I remember last year, I think it was last year, Kevin Harvick had a penalty at California, maybe it was two years ago now, with the rear rear windshield. And a lot of people were like, well, they're doing that intentionally. And to me, that's a little bit different than this. You know, a car too, a car or truck too low is one thing, you know, and manipulating the parts to get a little bit of an advantage is another you know, they wouldn't be manipulating the the parts of a car to get an advantage if it didn't help them. Um, even if it was the slightest gain. Now, you can argue at times, and Iowa's not your prototypical short track, that a car lower to the ground or a truck lower to the ground might not necessarily be the best might not necessarily be a good thing as far as speed is concerned. So at the end of the day, I think what we need to look at is you know, did they do this intentionally? I mean, we'll never know. Nobody will come out and say, hey, listen, you got us. You know, I, I remember one time somebody coming out and saying, yeah, you got us. We tried to get one past you. We got you. I think it was Kevin Harvick with KHI back in the day in the truck series about 10 years ago. Hey, we got you got us. You know, nobody's ever going to come out and say that. So, but the fact again is, and this is where a lot of people have an issue, Philip, is, the truck passes pre-qualifying, pre-race inspection, but fails post-race inspection. I guess what I'm asking yeah. is, do you think there's a way to adjust this truck to put it closer to the ground to where it gives them an advantage? 
Um, and and how much of, of that advantage do you think really made a difference today uh, for that 44 truck? What are your thoughts? I mean, just as Spencer said and we talk about, I mean, we're not the, you know, we're not tech guys. We're not the mechanics on these trucks or vehicles that compete on a weekly basis. But when you consider how rough Iowa Speedway is, and when you consider the amount of travel and the bumps that are in the entire racetrack, the logic that having a truck low to me would be a detriment in terms of, you know, in terms of both entry and exit. Theoretically, the way vehicles now are in virtually all motorsports, uh, they don't have a whole lot of front travel. They're basically sealed off to the ground. And But at Iowa, you need to have travel so you can get through the corners because there's huge bumps. And then the straightaways are also rough too. So for to me, the way that Al Nice and this organization has carried themselves uh, so far through their existence, you know, starting up small and not, you know, being the greatest out there and then making that investment and bringing themselves up to that higher level this year. It's not in their, it's not in their favor to go and do something like that. The fact is NASCAR has a history of throwing the book at the smaller, the small sort of small guy. And they don't really throw the book at the big teams there's been plenty of instances of these big teams failing inspection multiple times, then they come back and win the race, or failing post-race and the encumbered victory nonsense. So they got rid of the encumbered victory, and instead you don't you don't pass, you don't win. I don't think it made. I don't think he. They were running a low truck. I don't think. The the reality is he was so he was three tenths faster than the field on long runs pre and after two qualifying after two practices and they they inspected the truck then. So I mean I I would venture to say that I would take the word of Nice Motorsports and that whole group. In the end I don't think it's gonna come out in their favor, unfortunately. But I guess now it makes it more dramatic for uh for gateway and for all that. So we'll find out. Yeah. I was talking to Spencer off uh, through text messaging after this whole ordeal. And he kind of alluded, well, they can appeal. I'm like, of course they can. Yeah. You know, and my initial thought was, yeah, they can appeal that. That's good. But you know, then I got to thinking Philip, and I'm, I'm not sure if you remember this instance where, you know, I can't remember when, when I can only remember one time in my lifetime, that an appeal got totally overturned, and that was when Jimmy Johnson got his appeal overturned, and the and the appellate court, one of the judges or the judge on the appellate court was a guy who used to work at Hendrick Motorsports, and yes. uh, turned overturned that 48 penalty, and that guy was no longer on the appellate court after that, and it was sort of a, you know, a kind of a, a, a an odd deal and a very strange deal, but other than that, which was a very rare instance. Uh, you know, I've seen we've seen penalties reduced, where they've said, "Hey, um, you know, okay, we'll take away this, but you still get the penalty. You're still guilty." 
we haven't seen him overturned since then. Um, and and that's where I get a little concerned because, you know, yeah, sure, uh, appealing is great and it's a good option. But, you know, I, I would be shocked with all the hoopla, with all the attention, with all the media attention it's it's gotten that NASCAR – and the people who really – the people who are on the appellate court are, are employed by NASCAR would turn around and say, hey, yeah, you know what? We were wrong initially. Everything that just happened the last day or two is incorrect. We're sorry. Ross, you're now the winner again. Here's your $50,000 back. Here's all your stage points back. You're in the playoffs basically. Uh, I have a hard time believing that would happen. So um, it's certainly going to be a an interesting – summer here with Ross and, and see how this 44 team can go. Um, but I'm not sure the appellate court uh, is going to, uh, you know, overturn this at all, unfortunately. So uh, it, it's certainly an interesting thing. It's something we're going to keep an eye on. You know, Ross now, you know, the biggest thing I think was that he lost all his points because he was so good with his points. Now there's still races out there. There's still chances to, to get to the top uh, 20. I think he's got to be in to, to get yeah. in. So there's still an opportunity for him to do that, but, you know these truck races. There's there's not as many uh, truck races as there are cup races. So you really gotta capitalize on the opportunities you have. And uh, you know Ross had an opportunity today, and unfortunately, you know it, it didn't turn out to be that way. So um, you know he's he's disqualified and uh, in the 32nd position. The other very interesting thing. Let me let me give you the rundown here, the top 10 at least of the truck series race before we get to uh, part two of this truck series race that was really interesting. Brett Moffat was your winner. Ben Rhodes finished second. Third was Harrison Burton. Fourth, Grant Enfinger. Stuart Friesian, fifth. Sheldon Creed, sixth. Matt Crafton, seventh. Chandler Smith, eighth. Ninth was Raphael Lassard. And Todd Gilland ended up tenth. Eleventh was Brendan Poole. And Austin Hill ended up twelfth. And I want to talk about Austin Hill for a second. He was the final car in the lead lap in the twelfth spot. Got into a little bit of a conversation on the racetrack on lap 139. With Johnny Sauter, um, you know, apparently Sauter and Hill have had some issues going back a couple of weeks. Sauter, apparently, from what you read and what you hear, was kind of, um, you know, tr- I don't know if he was trying to wreck the 16, but he, he was bumping into him and, and really giving him a hard time through the first part of this race. To where Austin Hill then retaliated and took out, basically took out the number 13 truck. Uh, on lap 139, sent him in the outside wall. Um, Sauter had some significant rear-end damage on his number 13 Ford F-150, then went after Austin Hill, who was still on the racetrack, put it really in in full throttle, uh, spun Austin Hill out as well, then took another swipe at his door before NASCAR parked him for the day. Sauter ended up finishing um, in the 27th position, while I mentioned Hill was able to to, uh, relate to relinquish a decent day in the 12th position. Spencer, I'll start with you. Um, what did you think of that whole situation with Johnny Sauter and Austin Hill? A lot of people think uh, a lot of people tonight think uh, Johnny Sauter should be suspended. Where, where do you sit on that? And what are your thoughts on that whole situation? I mean, why not? They can suspend uh, Kyle Busch when he did it to uh, Ron Horner. Day. Um, I mean, we've talked about this. You have to be consistent. I mean, I understand Austin Hill came up and bumped him and spun him out and he went in the wall. But I think Johnny, I mean, I don't know. I think he was a little bit aggressive. You know, you spun him and then you run into the side of his door. Um, 
and the side of the truck that he sits on. You know, that stuff gets dangerous. And, you know, if you, I mean, who knows how fast Sauter was going when he hit the side of his truck, but, you know, the driver's with inches of the side of that car. So, um, I mean, you got to, I think you got to suspend him. You cannot be inconsistent. And then, and then NASCAR starts to look like a joke, you know, with this whole qualifying stuff, uh, starting three wide. They're inconsistent. It makes them look foolish. So if you're going to suspend somebody else for doing it, and especially under caution, I mean, I can understand if it's green flag, that's fine. But um, I thought it was a little bit aggressive and a little bit of overboard what he did. So, um, you know, find him the money, the points, and suspend him for a race. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. Um, you know, when I, when I hear a lot of people said what you echoed tonight, especially the fact of under caution. And and maybe I'm old school. Maybe this is just kind of a dumb opinion a lot of people will think. But this is my true opinion. I'm not – I don't mind the fact that he went up to him – the fact that it was under caution. What I mind is the, is the fact that Sauter – here's Johnny Sauter, who's a veteran of this sport for a long time. And anybody who has watched this sport for a long time, like us three have – understands Johnny Sauter's passion for this sport. It, it's it's great, and, and you have to respect it. But at the same time, you also have to sort of, you know, harness that a little bit and be a little bit smarter. And I understand Austin Hill, you know, he's not really proven a whole lot in this sport yet. He won Daytona, sure. But, you know, Sauter's a, a, a truck series champion. He's been in the Xfinity Series. He's got a significant amount of cup races under his belt. Um, he's been around a long time and there is a, you know, at least there used to be, I'm not sure if there is anymore, but, but there used to be sort of a, a driver's code where, you know, you respected your veteran race car, your veteran drivers out there. You know, um, if you were a young kid, you had to race your veteran, the veteran drivers differently and clean. So I think at times that veteran drivers take advantage of that, uh, of that rule, you know, I thought Joey Logano, when Joey Logano had his incident with Tony Stewart, incident with Tony Stewart uh, and Denny Hamlin, that that was sort of him saying, you know what, I've had enough of you guys. I've had enough of the veterans coming around and pushing me around. And maybe today that was Austin Hill's thought of, you know what, I've had enough of you, Johnny Sauter. I get it. You're a veteran. I'm supposed to respect you. But you know what? I'm tired of you bowling me around this racetrack. Now, as far as Sauter is concerned, you know, he's one of the few guys in the, in the truck series, at least, Philip, who was around when Kyle Busch did what he did to Ron Hornaday. Now, I, you know, he was he was racing in that race, I believe. So I, I don't think this instant was the same. I think what Kyle Busch did to Hornaday was a lot different. You know, Kyle basically took Hornaday, ran him in the rear end, and then pushed him into the outside wall. You know, I, I think it's a little it's a little bit different what Sauter did. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this? Do you think Sauter deserves suspension, or is this sort of boys have at it? You know, that's something that a lot of people have, t- have talked about too. Well, hey, what about boys have at it? Do you think, you know, you, you kind of look at it and say, this is boys have at it? Where do you sit on this side, Philip? I mean, the, re- <clears throat> the the reality is with Johnny Sauter is he's always been a hothead. Uh, you can go all the way back to the early 2000s when he was the hot shot coming, winning the ASA championship, following his brother Tim in the Alec Pinsonow car, and he dominated. Then he goes and gets an RCR ride, and he took over the two car from Kevin Harvick, really didn't do a whole heck of a lot, got the 30 AOL car 
didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Napalmed himself out of that deal. And I said that earlier on Twitter. I'm like, this is the same guy that figured out a way to blow himself out of one of the better rides at that point. And then somebody else made the comment that outside of like Kevin Arvick and I don't know who else, nobody's really done anything in RCR equipment until Tyler Reddick in the last, I don't know, 17 years. And it's, it's, the, that has some merit, but Johnny Sauter has always been this like arrogant guy. He's always had this thing, you know, I have to, he's got this chip, he's got this chip, you know, I, I honestly believe that part of the reason, and I've had people that I, that we follow me have conversations on social media, that part of the reason why he's not at GMS anymore is not only because they had to pay him more to drive there, but because of who he is and how he behaves. And the fact is he got saved by Duke and Rhonda Thorson because, because what is it, Myatt Snyder decided, oh, I'll go and run the Euro Series randomly. And then I didn't have as much money. And supposedly the sponsor he has is connected to the Thorsons. I, I've tried to look it up and figure out what Tend to Heal is just to try to confirm my suspicions. But it's like the, the the whole point is driving through somebody like Matt Kenseth did this at at Martinsville, and I have a friend of mine, he's a Matt Kenseth fan, he loved it, and he got a diecast wrecked, diecast made, and all that. That was pathetic, and that's basically what ended his career. You know, they can say, oh well, he got knocked out because he was older and it would cost more. No, he ended himself right then and there when he made that move. And they'll say Dale Earnhardt did this for years. He didn't, at the end of the day, outside of like turning Darrell Waltrip in 86 at Richmond, he'd spin some guys, he'd go and nail them, he'd give them a bump, he'd bump them, he'd, you know, he'd rattle the cage, as he said, at Bristol and got booed. And... But the point is there's a difference between going and, and driving somebody hard than just like driving through them like they don't exist. And fundamentally, NASCAR should just let them go and, and fight. It would be better for the sport if they beat the crap out of each other outside of the truck and let them actually fight than use, using the vehicle as a weapon. It's irresponsible, and it's, it's disturbing, and, and it's pathetic. You know, you're, you're a truck series champion. You have a name, you're a, you're a famous name in terms of your family, your dad, and there's a legacy. You know, I don't care. I, I get Austin Hill's not his daddy's money, whatever he is. You know, he's not the greatest driver out there. He's got a Pillsbury Doughboy pit sign. I get it. But at the end of the day, if you don't like him, at least go and have a conversation with him. You don't use your truck as a weapon and drive through him and rage quit on the guy. Kyle Busch does it, of course, they let it go because it's Kyle Busch. There's a whole different subject, and that's a whole different situation. We'd lose the show. I'd go off the rails if I went on Kyle Busch if I really wanted to. But, I mean, it's just, it's just uncalled for and unnecessary. And fundamentally, this whole truck race now is literally – nobody cares about that the race existed. It was actually a really good, pretty good race. But the fact is you have Johnny Sauter going nuts on another driver because he's got anger issues and all this. People accuse Tony of doing this stuff. 
Tony never drove through anybody. He might have moved somebody. He might have run somebody yard. He didn't drive through anybody. I mean, there would be still well, some. And there's a difference. That. Excuse my language, but the thing, but the the thing is, there there's people that'll. The, the the point is, you just don't do that. It's it's just not necessary, and it's really, and it's pathetic, and it, and it's a bad sign for this sport. They're gonna let it go, because they're gonna make money off of this. Because NASCAR is pathetic in that sense, they're gonna make money off of them driving through Austin Hill. The point is, you should suspend them, and if you're not gonna suspend them. You go, I wrote this. Take his points, all his playoff points away. He keeps his win, whatever. But he has zero playoff points. He starts at the back at Gateway. He has to run run through the pit, right on the green flag, the first lap. He gets no practice and penalize and fine him like $50,000, whatever it is. Just just do, just go extreme. So then if somebody else wants to go and use their, their vehicle as a weapon, they're going to be like, oh, this is what's going to happen to me. Oh, no, I'll just go and fight somebody. I'll just take a fine later. It'd be better that way. Right. Well, I understand. I understand your point completely. Um, you know, and that's where I want to kind of clarify what I was saying before, where I was like, well, under caution really doesn't bother me because there's two different things. When if you want to come up to somebody and kind of, you know, run their door under caution, I'm okay with that. But like you said, use your truck or or vehicle as a weapon. That's a lot different, and I, I, you know, I think Kyle Busch did that. Um, and I always had a problem. My biggest problem with with these whole cars on, uh, you know, as weapons when is when it escalated down the pit road. That was my or on a cool down lap and, and into the pit entrance because there were so many people down there, credentialed people who were innocent, and you're sending spinning cars down on pit road. I remember Harvick, I think, and Kyle Busch, or I forget who it was, kind of bumping each other on pit road one time. You know, I had a big issue with that. Yeah, Darlington. I had a bigger issue with that than I did with this because to me it was like, well, you got credentialed people down there, pit crew members who could potentially get hurt, and you're spinning cars on pit road? I mean, that's ridiculous. And so that that's to me is where, you know, as a race fan to me, that is my no tolerance zone whatsoever is pit road. I would have suspended all those guys who were involved in that instant. Uh this one, you know, it's a tough call. I mean, there's no doubt to me. I personally, as a as a, a fan of, of the truck series, and as a, a fan who's watched Johnny Sauter's entire career, I, I you would think at this stage of his career, uh, he would use a little bit better judgment than that. You know, you could almost understand it if this is a 19 year old, 20 year old kid who gets turned around for the first time and he's running, having a really good run, and you know somebody comes up and, and takes you out, and you know you're fighting for your 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 career basically and you come up and you can almost sit there and go hey listen i understand he was very very frustrated um and he's a young kid and he's never really experienced something like this before okay yeah he went off the cusp a little bit yeah he was wrong but okay you know it's a young kid doing it so you can kind of understand it this that's not this case here and that to me is where you know, you kind of have to sit there. Even when Kyle did it, you know, we, we, we sit there and we think Kyle's been around for a long time. Kyle's only been well, – at the time he did it with Hornaday, he was only in the sport five or six years. Now, obviously, that's a lot different than the scenario I'm painting for you. But Sauter's been in this sport for 20. So that's a lot different. And um, that to me is where, you know, if you're NASCAR, you kind of just sit there and Sauter and you go, what are you thinking? Now, I don't think he should be suspended for this. That's just my personal opinion. I do think he should get an additional penalty. You know, he lost some points today uh, because he was he was parked, 
and that should be included in the penalty, but he definitely should be fined. Uh, and, and, you know, he needs to come out and say, I need to use better judgment next time. This is totally wrong what I've done. Uh, and, and I think points, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too mad if it took points away. Now, what do points really mean? He's 36 points ahead of ninth. So what does that really mean? That's a fair point as well. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how they rule this, but I don't think he should be suspended for it, but I do certainly think he was in the wrong for what he did. I mean, and you know, Austin Hill, you know, there's another end to this too. Do people think Austin Hill should be suspended or not suspended? I shouldn't say, but penalized further, or at least penalized at all for what he did causing a wreck. Now, I will come out and say I was not an Earnhardt fan. I didn't like what Earnhardt did when Earnhardt took out Terry Labonte, when Earnhardt took out uh, Daryl Waltrip, as you mentioned, in 86 at Richmond, which was one of the worst things I've seen uh, as far as on a green flag com- competition, uh, one of the worst things I've seen. But, um, uh, you know, I do think there comes – and I explained this earlier. I do think there comes a time where a young driver sort of has had enough of the veterans bullying – not bullying. I guess that's not a good word, but push them around a little bit. And you sit there and you go, you know what? It's time for me to stand up for myself. I think Luan Logano did it. He was better off for it. Um, and I think maybe Austin Hill might be better off for this because now the veterans who are all having fun going, watch this kid. <laughs> now they're sitting there going, okay, this kid's going to come back at us now. So uh, I, I think Hill's fine in that, in that regard. Hopefully this situation, you know, it'd be cool to see a rivalry in this where they don't just plan and like each other, but uh, hopefully they're not going out there in every lap and every race trying to wreck each other from here on forward. That would be, that would be kind of nice. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Philip, that it was, it was a good race. It certainly was. Uh, and I do want to dive into the points here quick before we move on to the Xfinity series and finger leads Matt Crafton by 47 points. Then it's Stuart Friesen, 49 back Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Harrison Burton, Austin Hill. And then of course, Johnny Sauter in eighth. He's 103 points uh, back of the lead. And 32 points ahead of Todd Gilland for eighth right now. So Sauter, who doesn't have a win this year, um, he needs as many no, points. Sauter has a win at Dover. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a win this year at Dover. I apologize. So really, the points at that point in eighth doesn't really matter for him. Um, so yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how how it all t- turns out for him in that in that stuff. You know, you got Gilland in ninth. He's 135 points back, and Sheldon Creed 136 points back. He's intent. Those are the guys and the drivers who really have a chance at making the playoffs via their points. The rest are going to have to win, like we've seen with Chastain uh, and, and stuff like that. So um, where is very, Move up. Uh, he uh, he moved up five points, so he's he's real far back. I mean, I can look it up for you quick and and, and find well, it, I, but I he's pro- not in updated. Um, I'm sure you know we can. I'll find it here for you in a second, but. Um, well, who yeah, are you in terms of? I mean, Harrison Burton moved up two spots today. I mean, he because of Sauter's problems, uh, because of his own his own fruition. Uh, Harrison Burton had a great day, getting that third place finish in the end, gained him two spots in points. He's now eight ten points to the good on the cut line, and he's. A good, what is it, one hundred three twenty? So he, he's he's well ahead. He's thirty five. He's forty points or so. You know, he's forty points ahead of forty plus points ahead of of his teammate. So I mean, he's a full race ahead of Todd Gilland for the cut line. So 
I mean, he's in good shape right now. So Chastain, and yeah, he's in real good shape. Chastain, meanwhile, uh, Spencer, you asked about him. He's currently 35th in the standings, in, in the point standings. He is has 43 points from what he accumulated last week. Uh, and, and then, uh, of course, what he accumulated this week. He's um, about 283 points back of eighth of Johnny Sauter, which he's not going to be able to get. But he is uh, still uh, from 20th. He's about 60 points back, 58 points back of Josh Rayoman, 20th in driver points. So, um, you know, that's, that's almost, you know, in this series, it's almost two good yeah, races he for him. He's almost two good races yeah. back. He's almost yeah. two he good points. Yeah, well, he only gained five points. He only gained five points because he gets yeah. credited with a thirty, a thirty-second place finish today. Yeah. So uh, that that hurts him a lot. And, and again, you know, we'll see if the appeal, which is a a shot in the dark, a uh, long shot for him to to get the appeal. We'll see if that if he's able to um, get that overturned. Yeah, and he it had maxed absolutely. out points today too, and that's a, mm-hmm. that's what makes it pretty sad. He was in a position where. I think he was going to end up with like 50 or somewhere around where what Chris Bell ended up with. He was going to max out points and to go and lose that many points in one shot is sad, but I think he'll be able to do that anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll see it. And you know, that's the thing with this truck series is there's just, you know, uh, not a ton of, of races left. You know, they only have a 23 race schedule to begin with. So, um, you know, he's got to get going and he can't, you know, what today would have done would have put him in the playoffs, no doubt about it. But, you know, even if he got the points from today and they just took the win away and it didn't count and he had the points, it would have at least given him a, a, a race where he could have had a, a, a situation or a problem and he could have been okay with it. He can't have any more of those. He's got to, he's really got to buckle down and that team can't have any more, can't have any mechanical issues, can't wreck it all, or he's done for as far as the championship is concerned. We move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. CircuitCity.com 250 from Iowa Speedway and, and ended about an hour and a half ago with Christopher Bell in victory lane. Cole Custer was second. Justin Allgaier finished third. Harrison Burton, who finished third in the truck race, uh, fourth here in the Xfinity Series race. A nice run for Zane Smith as well. He finished fifth. Noah Gregson, sixth. Chase Briscoe, seventh. John Hunter Nemechek was eighth. Michael Lynette finished ninth. Austin Sindrick ended up in the tenth spot. A race that featured... A lot of, of caution flags, a lot of carnage, um, and a, a lot of attrition for whatever reason. You know, um, really, it's 38 cars out on a, uh, on a, that started the race, and only 24 finished. So that's a lot of attrition. Now, there's a lot of starting parks thrown in there. We've had some issues as well where uh, a, a couple of cars had fuel pressure issues or an engine issues with Ryan Sieg and Brandon Brown. Benny Miller crashed. Joey Gase crashed. David Starr had an engine issue. So there was a lot of attrition there at Iowa, which is kind of interesting because we don't really see that a whole lot. But it ended up with Christopher Bell and Victor Lane. Bell led 186 laps. The first part of this race was really uh, Cole Custer's. He led the first uh, 51 laps of this race. Then Justin Haley went to the lead. Then Custer led again. But at lap 59, Christopher Bell took the lead, Phillip. It was really his race to lose. He completely dominated the event from that point. Uh, won both stages, like you said earlier, got max points, uh, as you used that term earlier. And Bell stands in victory lane. Uh, a big win for him and a big win for that 20 team as they continue to, uh, you know, it's funny because we talk about him being a championship contender, and he's been a championship contender all year. But the last few races, 
You know, he won Dover, but the last few races, Charlotte, Michigan, and Pocono haven't been that great for him. So for him to go out to Iowa and get the victory, it, it, it stamps again that, hey, I'm here and I'm here to, to win this championship. Uh, a huge win for that 20 car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Bell, at the end of the day, I mean, we talk about him weekly here on Talking Circles uh, in terms of his talent and where he's going to be. It came up again this week at the track, and he's like, well, I'm going to have a job next year. I'm going to be driving something for Joe Gibbs. I don't know what, uh, but the reality is it should be in a competitive cup car. And the fact that it isn't the case shows, I mean, I'm, that's a whole other subject that I could go off on a tangent. But the the reality is Chris Bell's good, and he's really good. And he he did a woodshed uh, uh, open a can on him today. He's, a, he's really good at the short tracks. He also sees that both his two main competitors in Custer and Tyler Reddick are better at the tracks over at one and a half miles and over. So in his mind, he's saying, all right, I have to optimize everything one and a half under, under one and a half miles, get wins, get points, give myself a buffer as we get into this playoff and give myself a chance to go and advance with, you know, that, that room. So you got to give credit to that team, the organization, for them to go and get that run and get another win, fourth win of the season for Chris Bell is something. I mean, road course racing isn't something that he's very good at either. And none of the main three competitors uh, are exactly the greatest at it. So you're trying to build up your situation so that you have points before you go to those to that road course portion of the season. And so in credit twenty team, he's been good. He's been solid most of the year. And I mean he beat Cole Custer heads up. He had to run him hard there late. There was a late race restart that Custer got him and then he had to get him back, went into a little door rubbing and point is he, he won that deal. And uh the and it's and the the top three, the big three isn't changing. It ain't going away. And there's nobody else outside of, I'll say, Justin Allgaier that, to me, really stands any chance. It's really those three guys and then maybe Justin Allgaier. And then the rest of them just kind of getting table scraps. You know, that's really I completely agree. Oh, I completely agree. And I think today it was interesting because – you know, we've seen Cole uh, with that double zero team and, and, and the new crew chief there, Mike Shiplett, who's done a great job this year. You know, they've sort of taken this series, you know, by storm a little bit this year. And I was, I was like, well, can Custer and and Shiplett outdo Bell and Ratcliffe as far as um, this year's big team? You know, you kind of – it made you think about it a little bit going, well – Maybe Custer's a favorite now, not Christopher Bell per se, and and Reddick's in there too, obviously. But today make, makes you sit there and go, okay, it's back in Bell's court, and it's gonna be fun to watch if these guys can sort of, you know, exchange wins here, I guess, and and Reddick in there too, and sort of say, no, I'm the I'm the favorite now, no, I'm the favorite now, and, and we change how we feel 
uh, as the weeks go on. Allgaier is an interesting case. I think he's got the skill. I think that team's got the, the, the ability to complete for the championship. They're just not clicking on all cylinders yet. Uh, that seven car ran good today, but they were nowhere near the top two. Um, you know, it was a nice run for, for junior motorsports. You know, you look at uh, all four of their cars finishing in the top 10 with a net ninth, and then you had Gregson uh, sixth and Zane Smith fifth, all guy running in third. So a, a nice day for them. But at the end of the day, you know, I still want to see Allgaier, which he's done in the past in his career, go out there and compete for wins and compete for championships uh, and lead a lot of laps, which, again, we've seen earlier in his career. He just hasn't done that yet this year. I just think that seven teams sort of just a step behind really the top three. Uh, what stood out to you, Spencer Cowan, from this Xfinity Series race today? Again, a lot of, a lot of attrition, but what stood out to you today? I'm going to be honest, I was busy with Father's Day dinner, and I only, you know, I was watching it off and on. But, you know, it just seemed, you know, reading uh, what all went on, it just looked like it was a Christopher Bell show. And, I mean, honestly, I, we don't need to go too deep into the thing. But the kid's unbelievable, and, you know, he's ready for Cup. And, you know, I said on Wednesday's show, you know, you're going to see the Custers, the Bells, and the, you know, the Allgaiers and the Reddicks. You know, they're, they're the ones to beat, and they're going to be the ones up front each and every week compete for the championship and like you said you know they're going to go back and forth you know they're going to like we saw in 2017 in the cup series you know Truex would win one Bush would win one you know uh Harvick would win one and it just goes back and forth you know that puts on a good show because you never know it's you know it's close that one's winning after another and you know uh that's what you want to see but uh you know other than that you know you know Bell he's ready and he's going to be a tough one to beat but I still think uh Reddick and the RCR bunch and that two crew they're going to they're I in my opinion they're still the ones to beat um they're the ones going out firing on all cylinders and i'm not saying bell's not i just think from momentum wise and so far through this year um bell is gonna have to and custer's gonna have to battle hard with that two crew and that's good to see rcr running well uh, it'd just be nice if they could get their cup program going but that's a different story different story yeah. but uh yeah, yeah it is. other than that it's just a uh, good run for bell and joe gibbs racing and you expect that out of them every week so um yeah just another bell show i guess uh, yeah, tough day today for Reddick. Um, you know, I think he had some issues there, Philip Matthew. But, you know, I don't think it, it, it takes anything away from his championship run. I think, you know, it was sort of a blip on the radar here with that two team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Reddick's day? And, and, uh, and anybody else, anything else that stood out to you? You know, Shane Lee's team, uh, I, I forget the exact name of that team, but they made their debut today. Not a terrible run, 18th for that 28th Circuit City Toyota they have a little deal with Joe Gibbs Racing over there. So not a bad day for them as well. But what what, did, what stood out to you? Anything else that stood out to you for this Xfinity Series race? Yeah, I mean, they got them and Cole, uh, what do you call, uh, not Cole Custer, but Noel Gregson both got stuck there, I think, in the second stage. And they ended up going two laps down, and they battled the rest of the day. Gregson was able to get back on the lead lap with Lucky Dogs and Wave Rounds and he put on that last set of tires and got all the way up to sixth. And, you know, Tyler Reddick, after the run he's had so far this year, you know, 15 place finishes, whatever. They, they're going to have another race here at Iowa. I think it'll be just fine in a few weeks' time. I give credit to Harrison Burton, you know, following up what ended up being a third place finish in the truck race with a fourth place finish in the 18. Uh, Xfinity car 
solid run. He did a really good job, and uh, they made a comment about his dad, Jeff Burton, being there, and and they're talking about, oh, he's doing a doubleheader, and, and Jeff went and told Harrison, well, I did 800 miles in one day, so go and suck it up and do it, and he did, and he did a really good job. And Zane Smith, another guy, they did a little goofy video for him at Junior Motorsports, and made him do all these goofy things. And not only did he do all those goofy things, he didn't even showed up and finished fifth in the eight car this week. So that that was a good run by them. I, I mean, honestly, going in, those two guys, they don't compete every week in the Xfinity series. Zane Smith's got a limited schedule, did well in the ARCA series last year. And Harrison Burton's full-time truck, drive, truck series driver, but to go and beat some of the guys that are going to end up being in the playoffs and handily, I give those guys uh, some credit, and we'll see where they go. Probably one or both of them are going to be uh, running for this championship here next year, uh, probably. And then, uh, I mean, with that, other than that, I mean, you go give Justin Haley, they kept on talking. I mean, Jeremy Clements getting a 12-place finish probably the best finish he's had all year. Lead lap finish for that 51 team. And Greg Alden getting a lead lap finish for the 08. Uh, SS Greenlight effort. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Chad Fincham had a really good car going there for Carl Long's team. And then they got wrecked there late. But a solid run for them, that organization. Uh, they do a lot with a little, and uh, and Josh Williams too, who's um, along with being one of those guys that's able to kind of make a make a lot with a little, he's a pretty good roaster on uh, social media, so he's a good <laughs> follow. Yes, he really is. I, I follow. I've been following him for a long time since his days in the Arca series. Um, you know, when you look at the points, there's really not much to talk about in the Xfinity series. Uh, this playoff push, and, and I'm sure NASCAR's not thrilled about this, is going to be very anticlimactic this year because really the 12 we have now are going to be the 12 we're going to have in the playoffs unless somebody re- rolls off a a really surprise victory, whether that's Golding or Brandon Brown or or uh, Jeremy Clements. Uh, you know, that's it. Uh, it's going to be very anticlimactic so, as far as the points are concerned. So nothing to really worry about there. Uh, Xfinity Series has a week off. This weekend before they go to Chicagoland Speedway in two weeks, uh, and they, they join up with the Cup Series after the Cup Series runs at Sonoma. They run Chicagoland, and then, of course, Daytona after that for the uh, Xfinity Series here. Um, and the trucks run Gateway next weekend as well. So uh, it's going to be a doubleheader weekend coming up. We'll dive into that a little bit later on talking – a little bit later in the week on Wednesday on Talking Circles. Uh, we'll, we'll preview Sonoma, the road course race there. And uh, we'll preview also Gateway a little bit and talk about the news of the day. We'll have whether or not Ross Chastain won his appeal and um, and everything that comes at you from, from the week at NASCAR. So be sure to like us on Twitter, like us on Instagram, uh, like us on, on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. For Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan, I'm Clayton Caldwell. Good night, everybody. <laughs>